This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Teal Talk Radio, Season 7, Episode 13. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 13 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today, we're speaking with Crystal Shu and Purvi Patel, co-authors of Capture the Opportunity, Steps to Redesign School-Level Systems for Equity. Crystal is a design principal with Education Elements and partners with educators to maximize student learning through innovative approaches. As a former teacher, school leader, and district leader, her passion is around rethinking the ecosystem within schools to support student learning. May it be equitable instructional design, talent development, or hiring practices. Purvi is a former teacher and district leader with a rich background in professional development and school redesign support for urban districts and has deep expertise with leveraging design thinking with an equity lens to support innovative problem solving. Education Elements partners with schools and districts to strengthen their leadership, teams, and systems. They believe that schools grow when people grow. So welcome to the podcast, Porvi and Crystal. Thanks, Lynn and Randy, for having us. Thanks for having us. So let's jump into our conversation this morning with a personal story about how each of you became interested in this topic of this white paper or article or workbook, um, what, however you refer to your document. You know, how did you become interested in these big ideas of equity in school level systems? Awesome. I'll start and then I'll hand it over to Porvi. Um, I think this paper, we call it a paper. It's You could call it whatever you need to. We call it um, our, our baby sometimes, but the idea <laughs> of it is um, it actually evolved from talking about the ed elements work around school redesign when we were helping schools open, right, with districts around the country. Um, but the reason why it evolved is from a story of um, a few years ago. I spent four years opening a high school um, in, in Houston, Texas. Um, four years designing the school and co-designing the school with leaders. We're with the kids, seeing them in eighth grade all the way until 12th grade. Um, and, and making a lot of good choices from the best of intentions. And I worked with really amazing people, had the heart, um, who really believed in outcomes for kids. Um, four years later now, I got, I got text messages from my students who are um, either about to graduate college, um, are, are still persevering through or finding new opportunities. And they're highlighting some of the systems that we put in place from a place of good intention that did actually not work for them and didn't actually set them up for success. And so this paper came from a place of wanting to reflect and put forth the learnings from the good intentions, but inequitable systems that we created ourselves within the school that we designed. 
Yeah, for me, I spend a lot of time thinking about this question and it wasn't uh, one particular instance or experience, but it was kind of a collective. Um, I got involved with equity work in a large part from my own educational experience where um, the systems within my public school system didn't serve me or where the assumptions or implicit biases of my teachers got in the way of providing me what I needed as, as a student in the classroom. And then when I was a teacher, um, making some own mistakes myself and having a lot of learnings on my own. Um, and then also seeing some of those systems that Crystal you know, referred to that her, her students named, um, failing my, my own students. Um, and then I, when I decided to leave the classroom in order to you know, implement some larger change, I left because I saw there's these systems that aren't working, I need to do something to change them. So I went to work for a district um, on an innovation team where I was able to partner with um, some really amazing schools on systems redesign within their schools. And um, seeing those ahas and the, the changes that were able to be made um, in these small pockets helped um, inspire me to say like, yes, Crystal, I want to, I want to write this paper with you. And so we kind of put our heads together and our collective experiences and the research and the best practices that we know to be true to put into our, our paper or our baby. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great to hear how your backgrounds sort of shape your work. And this is one piece of a three-part series. So before we actually dig into this third part, Talk to us a little bit about the series as a whole. What are the three parts? Why did you put those three pieces together and, and how might they benefit uh, the readers? Yeah, so I do wanna name that the three part series is a collective effort by many people at Education Elements. So it was first created um, in response to this really radical transformation and change that education systems were forced to go through um, back in March when the pandemic hit. And so the first part of the series was actually written by um, three of our colleagues, Sima Rengold, Andrea Gotis, and Gabrielle Hewitt. And it's called Forging the Path Forward, How to Design a Responsive Return Plan. And it came out of a need um, for districts to really make, in a short amount of time, plans to respond to the pandemic. And so this first part really guided districts through using best practices of crisis management and following um, steps for responsive return planning to create um, and identify big rocks or focus areas to plan for as they thought about what this fall um, time could look like that we're currently in. And so when we say big rocks, they were things like health and safety communication, like what are the things they had to prioritize? And then in the second part of the series, um, it was led by also Sima, Rengold, Andrea Goetis, and David Hardy um, was titled Boldly Reimagining What Was Possible. And so it took those big rocks that were identified in the first part of the series and helped guide districts, so this was still at the district level, into designing um, prototypes. But it um, really focused in on aligning those proto prototypes through the lens of equity, safety, and agility. And this is where we first introduced um, the framework of connect, include, create that I know we'll, we'll go into a little bit deeper a bit in a bit, um, but it really pushed um, those district leaders to reimagine um, those systems at the district level um, and to design them with those key stakeholders at the forefront. And then, so then our last installment of the series, um, we kind of took a more school level lens and um, this paper that we're gonna talk more about 
um, today is more about how um, we can redesign for equitable school level systems. Great. So um, thinking about your and it's funny because we were talking about it and we were calling it like a workbook because it's sort of this interactive guide or, um, you know, document that we can move, that we can really generate some conversation around. But your work is grounded in the importance and the need for educational equity. And this is something that we've been talking about um, as a district and as uh, building and district leadership across our, our county right now. Um, but everybody defines it a little differently. So let's start with what you think about the term equity. Like, what do you mean by that term? And what are some examples of marginalization in our current school systems? First and foremost, Lynn, thank you so much for like naming the workbook. I think the workbook gets linked and often forgotten um, and, and what you're using it for with leadership teams and reflection is exactly the purpose of it. So thank you, like that warms our heart. Um, I think for us, when we think about educational equity, um, here's our definition from education elements. Um, education equity is the recognition that the barriers that marginalized students face are due to deliberate actions and biases, and therefore requires us to de dedicate a greater amount of resources to remove them, right? And so if you were to think about the three parts is we one wants to recognize the deliberation, and then we wanna dedicate a greater amount of resources. It, it assumes like we assume the idea of we're here for the students, right? And we're here to do our self work, unpack, and people are not going from a negative intent, but we're gonna be really direct as we think about what is the recognition of those deliberate discourses and dedication of greater resources. Um, and so if we were to think about this in, in marginalization that we see right now, um, we're, we're in the process, we've been, we designed a school student input survey to give to students um, to sort of, uh, to get their input around their experiences there thus far, right, in distance learning, um, whether it's concurrent, whether it's entirely virtual, whether it's uh, hybrid. And one of the marginalizations that we're seeing around the trends um, are, is one, actually students virtually are saying that they're learning more. Right, like this is the latest out off the press last night um, going through like students virtually are consistently about uh, 10 to 12% higher uh, in reporting that they're learning more during this time. But there's a consistent group across schools that like we've given this data to or survey to that about 20% of students are actually in that barrier, right, in that marginalization. And it's not because they're virtual or in person, it's a combination, but they're consistently saying that they do not feel engaged they do not feel like it's relevant work. They do not feel like they can access the content and they do not think that they're actually learning more or even the same amount. So that's one example. The second one is master scheduling. I think when we first started thinking about return plan, um, the master schedule is the allocation of the of time. And we see a lot, we saw a lot of uh, marginalization of like how we thought about time and what does it mean um, to play uh, you know, equality with equity. And how do we think about the distribution of FaceTime with teachers? Um, we also saw a gap in hiring barriers, right? So a lot of school districts have examined their hiring practices potentially, but not yet looking at the implicit or un unconscious barriers um, that are in place that may not attract um, a, a candidate of color um, into the teacher pipeline or leader pipeline. So those are just some examples of marginalizations that we've seen um, continuously, but also maximized during this time. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. let's go to Purvi for um, an understanding around this framework that you have built into the to the workbook: connect, include, and create. Talk to us about the framework and how how you guide us through using the framework to um, talk about or to learn about this idea of equity. Yeah. Um, I want to name that we actually also have a a step zero before that step one of connect um, that I think is, is really important to the process and we it's called start with yourself and seed power. And we included this step because we know that these systems um, were created by people, people come to work with um, beliefs hidden biases barriers um, and they therefore those assumptions, biases, and beliefs can show up in the design of systems. And so step zero is about really having a deep self-reflection on your own bias, power, and privilege, and how that might play a role in when you make decisions or create systems. And then the second part of that, the seed power, is just thinking about how in spaces you can make sure to intentionally give voice to those that don't have it and kind of take a a step back to elevate um, your users at the margins. And so step zero is is an important part and um, probably one of the hardest um, because it does require you to to do a lot of the self-work and everyone is at a different place in that journey of recognizing um, those biases assumptions that might come with their identity. So then um, once that has, once you've done that work, um, we've, we've tried to include resources, both if um, you are a person of color or not a person of color to do that, that start with yourself. And then step one is connect. And so in connect, it's really about making sure that you have um, true understanding of what the challenges you're trying to address. So we recommend um, not having a really narrow or targeted system quite yet that you are Um, looking to redesign, but more so saying, okay, this is the general system, and now I'm going to really engage in connecting with it. So I'm going to empathize with users that are directly impacted by the system through interviewing, through shadowing, through observing. I'm also going to look at the data. So we also recommend pulling and, and looking at your data from various perspectives to understand what the challenge is. From there, doing all that, you'll be um, a little bit more narrowed in like the system or the challenge you're trying to redesign. And that leads to include. So include is all about bringing those voices to the table that are traditionally excluded. So you're continuing to do that empathy work, but you're also having people who are again, most impacted by your challenge tell you what is what does success look like if this system were to truly serve me and using that input to um, then decide what are the things you're going to start to create. So in create, um, this is where design thinking really comes in. We do believe in those short cycle cycles of prototyping and testing. Um, so creating multiple pro- prototypes, again, that are designed with that marginalized, marginalized group in mind and having opportunities to test them in small ways before scaling those. And um, part of CREATE we also name is making sure that you're really clear in communicating um, why you've decided to redesign the system and explicitly naming that you you did this with equity in mind, um, that this was a process that you used and this is why you're choosing to redesign the system within your school. So very high level overview Mm -hmm. of um, start with yourself, seed power, 
connect, include, create. So what I love about it and what I got really excited about by reading through the, the paper and the workbook was we've seen so many ways to approach equity and equity is a complex issue, but the ways that they ask us to approach it seem even more complex and daunting and and almost impossible to wrap our heads around. There's just like so many pieces. And, and your process through the paper just seems to, I hate to use the word simplify it because this isn't simple work, but mm -hmm. it's the framework and, and the way that you've laid it out really makes it uh, approachable, I think. So demystify. I, I, How about demystify? Demystify. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Any any of those um, great words that that communicate the same thing. So um, really, really an inspiring piece. I uh, very much recommend that our listeners take take a look at it and uh, and work through the the workbook that these two ladies have put together. It's excellent. Yeah, Randy. I I think you're hitting something that like Porgy and I really. And, and we, we went through several iterations, right? So like so many people at, uh, at Elements supported us through the process, but what we wanted to do is sort of fight this, um, not fight, to combat, right? This like common thing where equity is so big that you take on a bite and then like you actually can't process the bite. And so it doesn't take hold. Um, or you take on a bite and it's like not the right bite to address and you're not seeing the outcomes. And so for us, it's like, we really want to have this process be able to live throughout, like no matter where you sit in the ecosystem to center it around like what is within your locus and what is something you could have control to redesign and what is one action you can take versus like thinking about the systems as a whole and trying to fix something that you may not have direct control over and then be frustrated in the process of the redesign. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something you're naming that like is really, that was really important when we were sort of putting together the process. Hmm. Yeah, I'm connecting with what you're saying about frustration like just feeling like there are too many pieces and how do you how do you not get paralyzed and moving forward all right well thank you so much for sharing some of the details about uh, that work as well as the work of the team at ed elements and um, collaborators on part one and part two we'll link those in the show notes um, one more question before we invite you to share what you're working on next we have our rapid response questions that we added um, really to help our listeners have ideas for more resources, more um, places to go to find out additional information or people with whom to connect. All right, first question. Let's start with Porvi and then Crystal will um, move to you. So Porvi, who's one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about equity in schools? Yeah, I would really recommend reading Zarata Hammond's work. She's done a lot with culturally responsive teaching um, and the brain. And so it, her work helps teachers if you're looking to really um, take a hard look at your instructional practices, how you can really engage all learners to get to that really deep cognitive work. All right, thank you. How about you, Crystal? Love. Um, an, uh, an author I love is Dolly Chuck coming out from the New York Stern School of Business. She's a social, social psychologist um, and she studies sort of the social aspects of how it prevents us from addressing unconscious bias um, and inequities within our, our, our society or our system. Um, so love her book. Follow her. <laughs> All right. We'll add that to the show notes. How about um, next question? And we'll start with you this time, Crystal. Is there yeah. another book you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, so hard. Uh, so Dolly is the the follow her and the podcast. It would be Everyday Anti-Racism. 
Um, it's a really good compilation of research, short research articles that targets systems within schools and how to re like, and what are the inequities within them. So a must read um, for, I, I think for school leadership teams. All right, thank you. How about you, Parvi? Uh, I would recommend Courageous Conversations About Race by Glenn Singleton. It um, really connects to that step zero of know yourself and seed power. Um, and I like it because it gives some really great strategies for having those safe and authentic dialogues about race and identity um, within schools or within your district. All right, we'll add that one as well. And last question, is there an online site or a resource or a person um, that you haven't shared already that you'd like to share for our listeners to take a look and learn some more? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, something that I've been doing that I, it'd be fun. Join us in this process is on Twitter. I started following, um, there's a lot of Twitter accounts that popped up that are like, you know, an organization, right? Being black or being a person of color at this organization. And I tend to now follow a lot of them because I think it builds a different perspective. Um, around what was the experience of being a staff member or a student or a leader or a parent um, of these school systems um, to sort of build empathy and, and keep on unlearning aspects of power identity and privilege that have internalized over time. Okay. We can add that. And how about you, Parvi? Yeah, um, there's a, a podcast that I like to listen to regularly from NPR called Code Switch. And I like it because it introduces various challenges um, across different racial identities and has um, ha allowed me to learn a lot about different experiences. All right, thank you so much for um, sharing those resources. We'll get them linked in the show notes. And thank you. Um, thank you so much for sharing those resources. We'll get them linked in the show notes. All right, let's wrap up the conversation. What are you working on now that you'd like to share with our listeners, ladies? Yeah, um, I can kick off. Um, so Crystal and I, along um, with David Hardy at Ed Elements, are really excited about a fellowship that we are la launching in just a few weeks, the SEED Fellowship. It is going to um, be a cohort of district and school leaders um, that are going to redesign a system within their school or district that is contributing to creating inequity within the student experience. And so through the fellowship, they will um, prototype a system to redesign um, and gain um, some knowledge of that methodology of connect, include, create, and also um, have an experience where they are, are able to have conversations around identity, race, equity um, with leaders across the country. So we're really excited that our initial cohort um, represents um, everyone from coast to coast. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. We'll look forward to seeing how that develops. Love. Um, and so on the other side, so working with uh, Porvi on the Seed Fellowship, we're also working on the systems level. And so I think, Lynn, what you mentioned about, you know, being, you know, paralysis around what to redesign is something that we want to like help solve for. And so we're creating, we're working on the process of creating um, some audits that district leaders can give, right, um, for, for their district to figure out what is the right point to start around an equitable redesign. And so I'm working along with uh, Kimberly Stort and Jessica Anderson from our team to start the audit process around hiring practices. Um, we just finished one about, you know, uh, a leader's equity audit um, around like how people are leading teams, but then we are now working in the next few weeks to finish our um, hiring practice 
audit. And we'll be doing six other audits around six other systems to help leaders identify um, what is the right starting point. Well, sounds like both of you are doing some really exciting work. So we'll look forward to tracking that and maybe having you back on to talk a little bit more about some of those things. Thanks so much for joining us today, Porvi and Crystal. To learn more about Crystal and Porvi's work, you can check it out in the show notes. Um, we've linked a variety of topics that they've mentioned in some papers and, and work. Um, each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how can you connect, include, and create to reduce marginalization in your school system? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, Visit the show notes at tealtalkradio.org and look for season seven, episode 13. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Porvi and Crystal. Bye-bye. Thank y'all. Bye-bye. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.